Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. And anyone else who happens to be listening, exciting times we're living in, challenging times. Um, Just want to share a couple scriptures. Psalm 34, verses 4 and 9. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Fear the Lord, you his people, for those who fear him lack nothing. That's from Psalm 34. Isaiah 26.3 states, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Father in heaven, thank you so much for another day to to live and hopefully, Lord, to live for you. Uh, We want to know you, God. We want to know you better. And we want to make you known because that is our job here in this country, in this culture, as believers, Lord, thank you for giving us everything we need. Thank you for providing for us, and thank you for your protection. We ask for your ministering spirits to protect believers in Christ and their families, their health, and, um, well, their well-being, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are a gracious God, and you never allow us to go through trials and turmoil and bad things unless it somehow gives you glory and, of course, uh, tests our faith that we might come out um, as gold refined through the fire of tests and trials. So strengthen us, Lord, for whatever is ahead. We trust you one day at a time. We know that we are here for such a time as this, and we we love you and want to honor you with our lives and our decisions and our families regarding our job, regarding our finances, and uh, just the choices we are going to be making that might be a little different from what they were maybe a year ago because of the coronavirus. Lord, we trust you in all things. You are the great healer. Uh, you are the Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God that heals. And uh, we trust you with all of our hearts. Help us not to lean on our own understanding. We lift up this hour to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a lot of things going on in our country and around the world, particularly regarding the coronavirus. How should Christians respond? Things like regulations, uh, guidelines are being uh, put out there. Um, Just a pretty simple question. How many times in the Bible does it say to be not afraid or to fear not? Well, it's well over 300 times. Some even say there's one fear not for every single day of the year. But the question is, as believers, are you trusting God and are you asking for wisdom or are you leaning on your own understanding and conforming to the world, which much of the world seems to be panicking right now? Have you noticed how fast things got shut down in America from major sports events to concerts to schools to even churches? That's where we come in, friends. We do have religious freedom in America, but um, how many people do you think are willing to trade their freedom for the illusion of security? And uh, does government provide security? Who are we going to? Who are we trusting, government or God? Today's guest, we welcome back Julaine Appling. Hi, Julaine. Good to have you back on with us. So much going on. Let's start with the event you were going to have last night. And uh, it was the Wisconsin Family Council and Day Spring Church uh, Supreme Court candidate uh, forum that was open to the public. But last night you had to make that decision. Tell us what's going on. Well, that was actually just a, an incredible event that didn't have any people there physically with us, David. But um, we, we are just really pleased that we had uh, good media coverage. Look, um, in, in basically a space of a few days, the, our state government has made some pretty dramatic decisions that definitely impacted the candidates who are running for office, particularly the candidates who are running for the Supreme Court um, position in our in our state. 
you know, they went from having both both campaigns, the Karofsky campaign as well as the Kelly campaign, went from having schedules that were jam packed with mm-hmm. events, with lots of people to hear their message, to having nothing, mm-hmm. zero. So we had scheduled this candidate forum, um, so well a month or two ago. And uh, we, the Dayspring Church there in Pewaukee was looking forward to it. We had a Christian radio station down in this area that was doing our media hosting. And they were excited about it. We expected we'd probably have between four and 500 people. And then wow. wham, wow. last week, you know, we had to make a, a very quick decision. Okay, what are we going to do? I am so grateful, David, that we decided to keep the forum, but to close it to the public. Oh, okay. Because it... Yeah, we, we we held it. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah, we held it. We we had um, we had some good media coverage. The the Christian radio station also has a television station, so they came in, and they recorded it. They're going to air it live or not live. They're going to air it tonight on on their TV station, and then they'll have it available on their website. We live streamed it through our organization. Another media outlet came in and live streamed it. And then um, that that Christian radio station also carried out live last night on, okay. on there. They they were just so gracious. They're in Milwaukee, so they came over and could set up everything there Great. at the church. It was just a good opportunity. And um, you know, uh, now t- full disclosure, we sent both campaigns um, uh, invitations, formal invitations by email and by mail, and um, asked them to let us know whether they would participate. The Kelly campaign responded affirmatively, and the Karofsky campaign never even gave us the courtesy of acknowledging that we had uh, sent them any invitation. The only way we know that they got it is we had a registered receipt return letter and an overnight delivery that we had proof of delivery and and, and that it was accepted. Wow. So um, uh, sent, uh, Justice Dan Kelly came last night. And uh, the panelists were myself. I was a moderator. The pastor of the church, Dan Rehoff, was uh, one of the panelists. And then uh, Jim Schneider, who is the um, general manager of the Christian radio station uh, there in Milwaukee at BCY America, did that for us as well as a panelist. And so we just carried on. We had a full hour of interaction with uh, Justice Kelly, ask him questions, let him respond. It was completely uh, non uh no prejudice, no bias, no endorsement. Nothing was said that was was out of line with IRS rules and regulations. And David, let me tell you one reason why we went ahead with two reasons. Number one, we thought it was important to give the candidates, mm-hmm. plural, yeah. an opportunity to get their message out when the rest of the events were shut down to them. And secondly, the 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 Christian radio station said, you know, this would be easier if you just move it to our studio. And I got I got that. But I asked him, I said, would you please be willing to do this, come to the church, because I want people to know it's okay for a church to do this. Yes. <laughs> My goodness. This is, this is legal. This is legal. And, and so, David, as we're talking about these things, I heard you talk about the church being the church and the church stepping up and understanding that we do have religious freedom. I'm going to tell you something. We have to be eternally vigilant if we expect to retain our religious freedom. And when the government says, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, oh, you can't have candidates in, that, that is sometimes just an outlaw, outright wow. lie and a scare tactic. Yeah. And so bless Dan Rehoff, Pastor mm-hmm. Dan Rehoff's heart what for understanding uh, Dayspring Church in Pewaukee. All right, shout out to Dayspring Church. And also, Jelaine, shout out to VCY America. Thank you to you guys. They're our fellow workers, co-laborers in the gospel, so we appreciate them getting this out there. And there's a lot of things that we have believed uh, wrongly in the church regarding, quote, oh. politics. And you can hold church registrations. You can hand out voter information. You can talk about any and every, quote, political or moral issue from the pulpit, there's really, I mean, I, I believe in under our Constitution we can do anything, and the IRS wouldn't have a case, but according to the people's understanding, we just simply cannot endorse a candidate from the pulpit, and we cannot give church money. Now, the pastor can support whoever he wants to individually with his checkbook, but from the church checking account, you cannot write a check to a political candidate. Those are the only two things from my understanding, you cannot do. Is there something else? No, actually, no, there isn't. And, you know, uh, well, we, we do caution churches sometimes about 
um, how close they get to a party. You know, um, sometimes if they if we, we, look, um, well, <laughs> we don't want any church endangered. Well, the left okay? doesn't seem to care about that, Julie. <laughs> well, no, they don't. No, they don't. But you know what? The, the 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 media and the IRS aren't as scrutinizing of the left either. And exactly. let's be well, honest. Yes, exactly. You know, they're they're. But but David, you're right. And you know, it, 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 pastors can even stand in the pulpit and say things like. You know, I can't tell you who to to vote for, and I can't officially as a your pastor or as a church endorse a candidate. But I can tell you that I personally am voting for. Yes, exactly. They can say that. Now, the percentage of pastors who are willing to do that, especially if the church is over 25 members or 25 people in attendance, (laughs) is really, really small. Yes. And I I wish, you know, I'm not looking and I want people to understand this. I believe with all my heart, David, that the local church is God's plan for today. I don't want to do anything that hurts a church, their ministry, whether it's it's in the community, the state, the nation, or worldwide. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything like that. I would never ask a church to become a political arena or a political circus or to do anything that they're uncomfortable with. But I do believe that the flock that each of these shepherds is in charge of mm-hmm. needs guidance. They yes. need to hear from their spiritual authority on these issues to not talk about these things. Look, this is not Wisconsin specific. I don't care where you live. I don't care if you live in Alaska, Hawaii, or you know California, or New York, or Florida, or where. I don't care where it is. This is true across this country. Our people are are confused. They are they are often wandering in the wilderness on what they believe about abortion, what they believe about marriage, what they believe about religious freedom, parental rights. You go on and on and on and on. The transgender issue, you name it. Because they're not getting clear biblical teaching, very practical, very practical, not just a a theological argument, but a practical application of those three theological truths to their everyday lives so they can filter what they're hearing through the media through a true biblical grid and come up with firm beliefs about how to respond and how to help their families respond to all that's going on around them. Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, you brought up abortion, and we are in the middle of 40 Days for Life, and there are people If there is an abortion clinic near you, wherever you're listening to this podcast, um, there's probably someone outside praying, holding a sign, peaceful uh, protests going on all across the country during 40 Days for Life. It goes through April 5th. And um, I just saw a post. I can't find it now. I had it in front of me earlier, Julaine. Someone, I think it was uh, Adam Ford. Um, He's affiliated with uh, Discern, the website, D-I-S-R-N. He had a post that said um, over 3,000 have died... uh, today due to the coronavirus, and uh, this is a serious issue. And he goes, oh, wait a minute. Did I say coronavirus? I meant abortion. Yeah. So this is going on um, all across America. We are trying to raise awareness about that epidemic. Um, We were talking about candidates and what we can say at churches, and uh, I know every year there's what Pulpit Freedom Sunday, I believe is what it's called, correct? Pulpit Freedom Sunday, and Tony Perkins Family Research Council and uh, many others encourage this uh, movement. I, I don't remember what month it, it is, but Pulpit Freedom Sunday. Where it's usually they, October. Is it? Okay, so they encourage pastors, and last time I think they think they had hundreds, if not a couple thousand pastors from across the country. On that Sunday, they were going to say anything and everything politically possible that they felt like saying. And to my knowledge, Elaine, correct me if I'm wrong, the IRS has yet to remove uh, 501c3 status, church status, nonprofit status, or fine a church because a pastor said something political. Do you know anything that I don't? <laughs> no, you're you're exactly right. <laughs> Why do well, you laugh? Is, <laughs> well, because it's this is the irony of this whole thing. <laughs> a, the Alliance Defending Freedom, so it's been 10, maybe 12 years ago now, decided that the only way we were going to ever test the the um, enforcement of the Johnson Amendment and, uh, you know, any other IRS rule and regulation that has impinges on this idea was to set up cases where you were begging for the IRS to come after a church. 
And you're, you're right, David, for all these years, these pastors have been doing this on Pulpit Freedom Sunday, and the number typically grows every year. And, and they say things like, I'm voting for our, you know, um, here's what I believe, here's what we should do, you know, mm -hmm. whatever the language is. Yep. And not, not once has the IRS come after one of these churches. And quite honestly, at this point, you have to believe the IRS knows they don't have a leg to stand on. Look, exactly. Let's let's educate. Let's educate our our listeners. Mm -hmm. And okay, the, first of all, there was a time, folks, in this country, and it wasn't so many years ago, when pastors would stand in the pulpit on Sunday mornings or whenever they met, and would boldly say, "This election is coming, and here's what you should do." And here's the candidate that is in line with biblical values. Well, that that truly wasn't so many years ago. Nobody came after them. It was it was part of the exercise of religious freedom. Exactly. But here comes Lyndon Baines Johnson running for the U.S. Senate. Yes. Uh, back in the fifties, and he, you know, a, a not for profit group there in Texas got a little bit aggressive and trying to defeat him. And so he comes back to Congress and fast tracks a bill that says, oh, okay, let's just put restrictions on these, these not-for-profit groups because they're taking public money. They shouldn't have any dog in the fight and shouldn't be able to have any kind of electioneering, if you will. And, and who got caught in the crossfire? Churches. Mm -hmm. Now, let's also be very candid, David. I think you and I will agree on this. I believe the church has used this as a smokescreen and an excuse for way too long. Oh, absolutely. It's an excuse. I believe so, Julaine. And I, I don't understand, other than the fact, and I want to give pastors and churches the benefit of the doubt, but I think many of them have gotten so concerned with keeping people or wanting the numbers so that people will tithe and give to the church. They don't want to turn anybody away by being, quote, political. Um, when that is biblical, if you're talking about a biblical issue where you can find you find answers to anything in the Bible, pretty much, and so it's all in there. But when you talk about it, ooh, you might offend some people. But I'm glad you brought up the Johnson Amendment, 1954. Um, when he passed that, you know, churches said, "Well, we better not say anything then, you know, because I don't want to take a chance on you know being fined." So yeah, that was uh, very. A deceptive and a, and a actually Trump came out a couple years ago. In fact, before yeah. he was elected, he campaigned that he said, I will repeal the Johnson Amendment. So and the amendment really, whether whether it's still on the books or not, it's to me, it's irrelevant. But a lot of people, church leaders and some pastors ha don't have this clear understanding of what we're just talking about, what they can and cannot say. So that's pretty sad. But I think we should move on unless you have another okay. po point about that. Well, I, I would say people should go to the Alliance Defending Freedom website if mm -hmm. they have a question about what pastors can or can't do, and sure. they have a good listing there. Um, and avail themselves of it, and, and let's uh, do the right thing. Right. That's right. So uh, 40 Days for Life going on. Um, oh, you know, I think we're going to take an early break because we do want to get into another topic. Uh, we do want to talk about what the Governor Evers is doing in Wisconsin. We don't want to talk about some of the guidelines the uh, CDC is passing along. They're recommending uh, canceling events with 50 or more. And now there are some recommendations uh, the president has put out. So, Julaine, we're going to talk about that when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We are on the line with Julaine Appling of Wisconsin Family Council. And uh, we are now going to talk about uh, a, a very good thing. Uh, we both are in agreement on that, Jelaine, that President Trump declared uh, Sunday. This I think he did this on Friday or Saturday, a day of prayer. Uh, he d made a proclamation. Not a lot of presidents have done this. Of course, we remember George Washington. We remember Abraham Lincoln, um, who was so good about doing this very biblical uh, presidents. But um, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I know you did a little... Um, segment on that this week, but uh, share your thoughts on the importance of this. And most churches, I believe, said, yeah, absolutely. If there's any time we need to pray for uh, repentance and for the nation, it's now. Well, you know, um, it is. it has been a long time. My recollection, David, is the last time we had this happen was in at the 9-11 crisis right. when uh, George uh, George W. Bush, I believe, called for a national day of prayer. So mm -hmm. it's been, what, 19 years since we've had this. So I am very grateful, I will tell you candidly, for a president um, who listened to advisors, 
who followed through and said, you know what? We are a nation under God. We are a nation that recognizes historically that God um, is the one who puts nations up, just take, takes them down. And he issued this National Day of Prayer call and then followed it up with a proclamation um, in which, which he reminded Americans, look, the answer isn't government. The answer is God, that we are not to panic, that we can cast our cares on, on the Lord and he will sustain us, that with God, all things are possible. Uh, uh, I think overall, the entire proclamation is quite commendable. Uh, but, but I do believe it's significant that this is a president. While he said, you know, we won't, many of us won't be able to go to our churches and temples and mosques and tabernacles, you know, things, he, he listed them all. So that was a very inclusive group that he was recognizing. But mm. when he got into the substance of it, he quoted from the word of God. Mm -hmm. He didn't quote from the Quran. He didn't quote from the Book of Mormon. He didn't, you know, he, he quoted from the word of God. And, and, and that was his ultimate source. And I appreciated, too, that he reminded people. Our, our national motto, uh, motto is, um, in God we trust. But he went to the one nation under God phrase that we include in our Pledge of Allegiance and, and reminded us that, that that's kind of a banner under which we have historically operated. And, and, you know, he called the nation individually and corporately through our churches and, and as Christians and, and so forth to pray. I am so proud that my pastor, we had online services. Um, we have a large church in our city. Our city officials asked us to please do what we could to um, cut down the number of people. So he just said, look, we'll just have a skeleton crew. We'll do it online. But he preached on, 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 on the, the importance of prayer. Hmm. And it was a wonderful reminder just as you said, David, God is sovereign. The coronavirus has not surprised God. What the elected officials at every level of government are doing has not surprised God. How this virus is moving and what it is doing is not taking him by, 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 you know, wow, I didn't know this was coming. How are we going to handle this? Oh, my word. You know, he's not wringing his hands and doing a moment by moment adjustment in heaven. That is not who God is. And what we if we if there was ever a time in our nation's history where our people generally needed that reminder it's today. It is today. Yeah. Our God is not is not sitting on the throne in heaven saying, what do I do next? Mm -hmm. He has it under control, unlike our elected officials who are every day working pretty much by the seat of their pants because none of them have lived through this. No. Just as like none of us have lived through this. Exactly. So what you know, what what you know, David, I was reminded elections consequences. I'm going to tell you something. As I was thinking about this, my mind more than once has gone back to the election of 2016. I have asked myself numerous times, what would we be doing now had that election gone a different way from the way it did? And looking forward to the election in 2020, hmm. out of the out of the cast of characters that we have running oh, there, the, the <laughs> slate of candidates that look like they're going to be out there. What would it look like if something like this happened in 2021 or 2022 mm. when perhaps someone brand new was sitting in the White House? You know what? Those are legitimate questions for every American to mm -hmm. ask ourselves. Mm -hmm. Every American. So, Elections have consequences, David. Yes, yeah, Jelaine, yeah, this is time for a little speculation here. Where do you think this is going? Uh, first of all, I'll, I'll let you answer statewide when it comes to the election in three weeks, and, and then there's one uh, coming up, um, of course, in November with um, the old men. But w let's just talk <laughs> about let's talk about the state first. And will I mean, assuming this is going to continue and people are going to uh, be away from the public and not in big groups and for whatever reasons, whether it's self um, making ourselves making the decisions or the government, uh, state governors saying we're you cannot go out in public or wherever else. The, the polls are a very public place. And what do you think is going to happen? 
Well, that's a good question, and I apologize to your engineers for my outburst. But when you said that we have all the old men, I just—I'm sorry—that was more than I could handle. Well, the party, um, the Democrat Party, for the last—I don't know how long—said they're the party of youth and diversity, and you know, and you're, you're looking at at who it came down to. Even with Elizabeth Elizabeth Warren, they were all in their early to mid seventy, late seventies, and I'm going, really, this is the best the voters could come up with because the people voted. They could have voted for someone younger. They could have voted for. Yeah you know, a, a, a more diverse <laughs> representative <laughs> than two old, progressive, rich men, white men. So white, white men. Yes. White. Let's, yep. go, let's go um, on. Isn't it interesting <laughs> when Trump is when Trump is the youngest one of the of the batch? Yeah. <laughs> um, look, look, let's let's talk about Wisconsin first, because Tony Evers seems to be taking his cue largely from the CDC. Hmm. All right. Uh, whenever he has come out and made proclamations in the last few days and, and handed down dictates, um, that's where he seems to be. The president yesterday advised that people not meet in groups larger than 10. Governor Evers stuck to his 50 or more. Now, one thing people didn't know, and I, and I just happened to read it online this morning because it concerns our organization, he has also asked, has told restaurants that they are either to limit their capacity by 50% or to 50 people, whichever is fewer. Hmm. All right. And, and that's based on the idea that restaurants typically in Wisconsin hold fewer than 100 people. Okay. Because that would be a pretty large restaurant actually yeah. to hold 100 people mm -hmm. in our state. So they've asked them to cut that capacity by 50% or to 50 people. So, um, and that's coming out of the CDC, not from President Trump at this point. Now, interestingly, there are primaries taking place today. Ohio was supposed to have theirs today. Late last night, the governor there said, we're not doing it. And like, bam. I mean, it was wow. out of the blue kind of. Wow. So, Florida is going on. Their health department said, look, we don't think that the number of people who will come to the polls will be kind of in, 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 in numbers sufficient to say we that endangers people. So I think so. I'm, I am doing what you said, David. I'm speculating about Governor Evers. Unfortunately, I think Governor Evers will probably look at this with more of a political eye than anything. I think the coronavirus pandemic will probably afford him cover to make a decision that inherently will be more political to, for his way of thinking to, to advantage his party because he's a Democrat um, and the Democrat uh, primary for the president is, is all that basically um, – well, there's no Republican primary. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Donald Trump is the only one on the Republican side on that presidential uh, presidential vote. So I think he'll look at that that way. The coronavirus will provide cover for him to go either way. What he has in his favor right now is we're still two weeks out. OK, that, that will help him um, get a little bit better perspective on it, I hope. You know, one of the things that's happening in this, and I, I do think there might be some credibility to this, David. I think if we will all kind of tighten the belt for a few, maybe a week or two, to see if tightening the belt pretty severely will help flatten the curve, so to speak, on the spread of this virus, maybe we can come back to normal sooner than people think. Japan did. Japan had done major, major close down efforts for a month. And just yesterday, I heard they had lifted a lot of that because in two weeks, they had really flattened the curve. Hmm. So I think Tony Evers has got to look at that because I think it's very bad if he if he has to can cancel or, or not cancel, but postpone. But let me say this about this. Wisconsin is moving into early voting in person already. Milwaukee and Madison announced two weeks ago that they were starting early in-person voting yesterday. So they have added places where people can go do that, um, go to their clerk's office, go to libraries where they're allowing early voting to take place in both Madison and Milwaukee. And all across the state, David, early in-person voting will start as early as or as soon as, no later than I should say, next Monday the 23rd. What we're encouraging people to do is to either request a ballot by, by mail, an absentee ballot by mail, which you can do online, huh. or number two, go to call okay. your clerk and 
Yeah. And call your clerk and ask when early voting will start in your community. And then just walk over, drive over, pick up a, a ballot from the clerk, fill it out right there. Probably won't be very many people at all in the clerk's office and, and, and submit your ballot that way. Don't wait until April 7th. Don't take a chance. Go do it right now. Go find out. Either get that ballot by mail and return it by mail or take it over. You, by the way, if you get an absentee ballot by mail, you do not have to return it by mail. You can take it in to the clerk's office at any time. You don't have to wait until early in-person voting happens. Mm -hmm. But if you want to do early in-person voting, just pick up the phone and call your clerk's office and ask. MyVote.wi.gov MyVote.wi.gov can help you find contact information for any Wisconsin clerk in our state. Don't wait. Don't, don't try to second-guess the governor. Just get your vote in. Yes. And even, and by the way, even if he does postpone this election, um, those votes will still count. They're not going to negate votes that were cast uh, as a part of our early voting program. They will still they will still count. So I say don't delay. Do what you need to do to vote knowledgeably, responsibly. And I add prayerfully on this. And if you need information about the Supreme Court candidates, go to wifamilycouncil.org. We have a voter information publication on there that can help you make a decision. Okay, absentee ballot might be the way to go for a lot of people. I'm glad that's an option, actually. Um, Julian, we do need to move on uh, to another topic. I don't know how much time we'll have to get into all this, but we, we do need to talk about what's happening regarding the Drag Queen Story Hour across the country. And Wisconsin had um, a meeting over in, uh, where was it? Hudson. Hudson, Wisconsin. And, of course, you and I were in contact with uh, a mother and uh, a, a public school worker who had, was very concerned about the transgender policy of giving, allowing pronoun names to be used that the parents didn't even know about. Uh, and she had a seventh grade uh, son or daughter. But let's go to um, over at Mass Resistance. You sent me an article about uh, a local group and parents being a big part of this. They overcame part of this, what they called the LGBT juggernaut in their community. Bring us up to speed on this. Well, well, look, um, Hudson, Wisconsin, so everybody understands, is right on the river with across the river is, is Minnesota. All right. And across the river in Minnesota, right. there were drag queen story hours taking place at local libraries. Now, let me hasten to say drag queen story hours have taken place in public libraries in Wisconsin. They've taken place in Madison and Milwaukee, and we believe other places as well. These ought not be happening. Let's talk about story hour. This isn't story hour for adults. This isn't story hour for young adults and not even for teens. This is for young uh, preschoolers. That's who these story hours are for in our public libraries. I'm a former uh, a public library board member. Not only that, I was president for for three for for one entire term. I was on for two three year terms, and on the second term I was president. I understand how libraries work in our state. Every library in our state has a library board. That is the governing body. And so over in Hudson, they looked at what's happening in Minnesota and said, look, it's going to come across the river. Let's be proactive. Let's take action. And by the way, mass resistance did this. But I'm going to tell you, David, our organization has been talking to people for the last three years about this. And we told them exactly the same thing as mass resistance did. Here's what you need to do, because I have this experience as a library board member. You need to proactively go to your library board, go to your library director. And that's exactly what happened in Hudson. They did a petition. They did some, they, they, they came to the board. They came to the library director and said, look, we don't want the drag queen story hour to come to our Hudson public library. This is wrong. It's offensive. It is, it is a brainwashing. It is unacceptable. And they, they, they brought, um, I call it the multiplied power of one. One person over there got engaged, talked to another person, talked to another person, and pretty soon it was a whole lot of people with that multiplied power of one bringing enough, if you will, clout to the library board where they proactively passed a policy that says drag queen story hour will not be allowed in the Hudson Public Library. David, this is a wake-up call. Yes. Every community across the state needs to do exactly the same thing, preemptively and, pre and proactively. It's Beautiful sad. example. Yes, it's sad that it's come to this, but parents have to be engaged on this. And by the way, in that same post over at massresistance.org, there's a book 
that was on the, the shelves at the, in the children's section of this uh, Hudson Public Library. And I've seen this before. I know it's uh, in different places in the country. But look in the children's section. It's perfectly normal, the title of the book. Changing Bodies, Growing Up, Sex, and Sexual Health, and you know exactly where they're going. What's perfectly normal? Well, any sexually deviant behavior, including, well, let's just, let's just not get too graphic here, because I, I actually opened up the PDF, went to the excerpt, and I'm going, whoa, my goodness, I was a little embarrassed. I'm at work. And I opened this up yeah. and go, oh, my goodness, uh, they're talking about anything from masturbation to what bodies look like, and everything's normal, right? There's no... Jelaine, yeah. just your thoughts on that and how that's... This is not an isolated issue. I've seen that book before. Uh, parents have shared that it's on children's uh, shelves or in children's sections in schools, public schools, and also public libraries. Okay, so quickly, David. Look, library... Um, library directors, directors in your public library have all the permission and authority in the world to, to deny a book or to, to allow a book. The library board can have some play in the policies that the library director has. But look, what's happening is the American Library Association is incredibly liberal and they believe books like that are appropriate in children's sections and young adult sections. Every parent ought to make sure and, and they understand that the library is not a safe place all the time. And by the way, Often in libraries, they, they they don't require them even to use filters on the computers, David. Wow! And so you need to find out about that. But let me let me hasten to point out something. All this is going on. Drag queen story hours. You're talking about these books in the library. Meanwhile, Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Earlier this month, an 18 year old uh, senior male student is in the gender neutral re- restroom bathroom in that high school and assaults a minor student. Don't know the sex. Don't know the name or the age of the mm-hmm. student because it was a minor. And in the gender neutral restroom, which is, is that normal too? Is it normal for guys and girls to be in the same restroom at the same time? Mm-hmm. No, it is not normal mm-hmm. and it is not healthy and it is not good. Second thing, Madison. Madison um, had a policy that would allow, um, would force teachers to use the pronoun and names that, mm-hmm. that the student wants. And by the way, that policy said to those uh, faculty and staff, don't tell the parents. If necessary, lie to them. Ugh. Right now, the yeah, the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty has sued the Madison Metropolitan School District over that policy with 14 individual parents representing eight families who have students in the Madison Public School. Fortunately, they can do it anonymously. Um, at least at this point, it's anonymous. And um, because that is an, an, a, a horrible trampling on the rights of parents to make the best choices and decisions on behalf of their children. The fact that a school district would ask student uh, faculty and staff to lie and deceive parents about what pronouns and names and what kind of gender identity a child is assuming at school is reprehensible. I'm a former school board member, elected official here in the state of Wisconsin. If I had been on the school board when that kind of policy got passed, wow. I would have been furious. Hmm. And the, but but Madison was given the opportunity, David, to take it down and rescind the policy. Totally said no. We're gonna we're gonna. This is our policy, and we're stand by it. So fine, they're gonna be sued over it. So look, this is this has manifestations in the library, in the schools, yes. in the restrooms, in the policy. And let me quickly say, there is no federal policy. There is no federal court decision. There is no state policy, state law, state court decision that requires any school district to have a gender neutral bathroom or to any other in any other way accommodate students who claim to be who are biological boys thinking they're girls or girls who think they are boys. That is a that is a fiction that is being used as a fiction fictitious club that's being used to pass these kind of policies. Secondly, there is no law that requires libraries to have the drag queen story hours. That is a totally local decision, David. Yeah, yes. And yes, parents and the citizens can make a difference. Bravo, Hudson. Bravo, bravo. Yes. We need to replicate that. Please, mm-hmm. to the uh, listeners that are out there, I don't care where you live, this drag queen story hour could very easily be coming to a library in your backyard. Stop it before it gets there. Yes, and you and I had uh, conversations, at least via email, with uh, a listener, Stand Up For The Truth listener, over in uh, across the border in Michigan where um, it was happening in the public schools there where they were using these pronouns as kids said, I want to be this name. 
and were wanted to do a transition, so to speak, and the parents didn't even know. And those, so the teachers were calling them by their pronoun. Anyway, they're, they're, she's going to keep us updated on there. She, it's a concerned mother, but she works in the public schools. So we'll uh, continue to update our listeners. Jelaine, um, anything else uh, you want people to, uh, any on your website, anything people need to know about, or uh, how can they get more information of what we've been discussing? Well, I would encourage them to visit our website because, David, there's always things going on. There's a rule that's going through the state legislature right now that deals with this very issue that basically says if you're a licensed marriage and family therapist or a licensed professional counselor or a licensed social worker, you will not be able to do anything in your counseling other than affirm, support, and encourage same-sex attraction and gender change. Uh, and you, wow. you'll, lose your li- you'll lose your license. That, this mm-hmm. is going through. I'm, we're, we're working to try to stop this, but we've got information out there. We've got information on the election. Um, you know, right now, um, David, I'll give my, our council address. I don't know if you're okay with us giving the other Either address one. or not. But, Either one, yes. Okay. Uh, WI Family Council, C O U N C I L dot org, or WI Family Action dot org. Uh, both have lots of information about these things. Look, I, th- we, we end all of our, uh, except for our minute programs, I end every radio program I do that we pre record with this. This is Jelaine Appling for Wisconsin Family Council reminding you the prophet Hosea said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Amen. Get in the Word of God and pray for wisdom, friends. Julian Appling, thank you so much. We'll talk to you hopefully soon. God bless you. Oh, God bless you, folks. You are such a blessing to us and to so many people. May he add just a blessing upon blessing to your ministry. We receive it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you next thank time, you. Julian. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, when we come back, a couple articles and some news items and uh, a lot more to talk about, but we'll do whatever we can in the time we have coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Okay, just time to get in through uh, to a handful of stories and headlines here, but I do want to go back to President Trump's uh, Day of Prayer Proclamation where he quoted 1 Peter 5, 7, and I just want to share that with you guys. It says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, uh, 7. And so I just want to also share some headlines here. This is what we were talking about with Julaine a little bit. In New York, it seems like uh, laws uh, happen there, or California first, and then they trickle across the country. But New York is now allowing minors to change their gender on their birth certificates. So this is actually happening. Um, they're allowed to go in and, and say, okay, instead of a male, I'm, I'm going to put down female. It's a new policy now, but um, in New York, go figure, um, it no longer prohibits minors uh, to identify. Let's see, it, it, it says they're announcing that the Empire State no longer prohibits minors identifying as transgender, from correcting the sex marker on their birth certificate. In other words, they used to not be allowed to change <laughs> what they were when they were born. Okay, on to some other stories here. Um, perspective, perspective check on the the fears of the coronavirus. And well, first, let's talk about the flu. I have some something here that I thought, wow, this is crazy. Um, 20,000 Americans have died so far this season, which goes back to last fall, from the flu, including 136 children. I'll say that again because as of my recent count, when I checked at least last night, about 75 Americans have died due to the coronavirus. The flu has killed 20,000 Americans. Is that just too, are these numbers just so high that we can't even compare them? Well, where's the fear of sanitation and germs when it comes to the flu? Why aren't, why are we acting so crazy all of a sudden? And I know, I understand it's because of the unknown. It's like, oh, well, they're working on a vaccination. We don't know how quickly this could spread. I understand that. 20,000 deaths compared to 75. I'll just put that one away aside. More perspective here. Let's talk about Christian persecution. And that, that, that always is sobering to us. Boko Haram kills 45 villagers, Christians in Nigeria. And the media does, doesn't even bat an eye at that story. Um, they'd rather stoke the fires of the fear of the American public. Also, 
This is interesting. Now, this you can't avoid headlines in the news today on the transgender issue and moral relativism in America. The disease of moral relativism. A woman, a 23-year-old woman, sued a clinic for prescribing her transgender puberty blockers at 16 years old. Here's what she said. This is interesting. There's a lot, by the way, sex change regret. Look up that website, sexchangeregret.com. This 23-year-old said she should have been challenged more by medical staff concerning her decision to have sex change surgery. So she's suing a clinic for prescribing her transgender puberty blockers when she was 16 years old. 23 now, and she's having regrets. Friends, the media is irresponsible for not reporting the, I don't know, innumerable stories that we are hearing about this regret and the, the, the people that are saying, I shouldn't have, I wish you would have told me, I wish you would have, mom and dad, I wish you would have not allowed me to say I was a different sex. But here now we're seeing some, it has to be a legal case, I guess, for it to make headlines or it has to. It, but why do why does someone have to be hurt? It's, it's just, we're just being so irresponsible. So um, th- there's another headline to, to give us some perspective. Um, also, the Vancouver, I'm now up in Canada. What happens? You might go, OK, well, that's Canada. But the the oldest shelter of its kind, it was founded 47 years ago. The city has now stopped uh, funding this shelter for women who have been raped. Why? Because they refused to admit men who identify as women. These are women who have been either battered, sexually abused, raped, and now there's a shelter. And I'll tell you, there's more. I, I can see this happening in L.A., San Francisco, New York City. So the city, they're, they're not receiving funding anymore because they are not towing the politically correct line of saying, all right, if you want to be identified as a woman, come on in. But we've already seen problems with that philosophy. But this is happening, friends. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, we have to know how to respond as Christians. We, can, we have to know the word. Julaine quoted that perfect verse, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Know the word of God. Understand the biblical worldview. Uh, this story, uh, back to sex education in the public schools, um, Illinois seems to be one of those states that wants to you know, jump on board with San Francisco and New York City. Sex education will soon be required for Illinois kindergartners. A new bill at the Illinois State House could lead to students as young as five to be taught sex education. When you hear those words anymore, when it applies to government-controlled schools, public schools, you know what they're going to be teaching under the guise of health and under the guise of sex education. So the curriculum would include the following. Uh, Promote awareness and healthy attitudes about growth and development, body image, gender identity, gender expression, sexuality, sexual health, sexual orientation, consent, dating, relationships, and families. And this curriculum must be available to students in K through 12. Why do kindergartners have to hear anything to do? Sorry, I almost sounded like Jack Hibbs there. My voice got way up high like he does when he gets excited. Well, why do we have to? Anyway, uh, (laughs) I love Jack Hibbs. Um, By the way, he put out a great video on he recently on the coronavirus and fears and Basically, he. I'm done with this story on the kindergarten and the sex education at Illinois. Jack Hibbs, in fact, I'll put it in today's podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. He broke down one news segment on the coronavirus, and they showed a map, they showed stats, and they didn't really describe the context of the stats. And friends, some of you are, don't be hating. This news segment was on Fox News. Um, there's a lot of people in the media that I would not particularly, I would, I would second guess. Um, but yes, Fox News, they're human. Whether they have an agenda or not, like uh, 
MS, LSD, or uh, CNN, whether they have that kind of agenda, the, the Trump derangement syndrome, there are people on Fox News who are, it's, I've really been surprised by some of the broadcasts. We don't watch a lot of it, but I see clips. And Tucker Carlson, I don't know what's going on with him in the last couple of weeks and his reporting on the coronavirus. Nothing wrong with getting information. Nothing wrong with asking the experts good questions because people want to be informed. But if you take it a step further with your commentary and stoke some of the fears, I just I don't get it, friends. We'll see where the, all this is headed. But um, one more a news headline here. A New Hampshire man was arrested for assaulting a 15-year-old Trump supporter. I think it was because he was wearing a mega hat. Uh, 34-year-old charged with a simple assault, disorderly conduct. Yes, a 15-year-old boy was wearing a mega hat. He slapped him and then assaulted two other adults who tried to intervene, fracturing one of their jaws. And this is like, so this is the kind of thing you're going, okay, Okay, that that is not coronavirus related. That's just like, all right, who's our president? So and so. Let me wear a hat. That here's here's the, this motto about making America great. I'm going to wear a hat. All right, you deserve to be physically punished for wearing that piece of clothing. This is where we are as a society. I know the media is stoking it, making it worse, but they have an agenda, friends. Know the truth. Use these opportunities to to share some sanity. Um, there is a God who is sovereign over all this. He's loving, but his judgment is coming. And we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. No one will be left <laughs> without having to answer for our actions and words here on this side of eternity. But so use these op- op- opportunities here as people are afraid and wondering what's going to happen. Use this fear to share the good news about Jesus Christ because more people are open to conversations now about their mortality and about maybe thinking about what will happen after they die. So use these opportunities, friends. Anyway, when we come back, tell you about the guests the rest of the week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Oh, yes, so much to talk about, so little time. But we're going to wrap it up by just sharing our guests the rest of this week. Uh, Tomorrow, you'll hear from Mike Gendron proclaiming the gospel. And he uh, always challenges our um, Catholic friends who are listening. And we just want to be challenged to know the Word of God and the truth of what the Bible teaches. And also, Bill Perkins on Thursday, Compass International... Uh, He puts on the Stealing the Mind conference. He's written some phenomenal books. Look up Bill Perkins and Compass International. And uh, also, we were going to have a news and commentary uh, podcast on Friday, but we can't. We've got to have Pastor Randy White come in. He's been writing some very thought-provoking challenges to Christians in his posts and on his blog. And he's been talking about the nanny state and how government is gaining more power using the coronavirus now and we are just kind of going along with it. Pastor Randy White has a lot of concerns with that. We'll have his perspective on Friday. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We appreciate you guys as always sharing our podcasts on social media. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.